All right, today we are starting a new series called Big Butts, and that is Butts with One T. Uh, But it's looking at these objections and questions and concerns that people have about the Christian faith. Now, certainly Christians, as this video depicted, can have their own butts that prevent them from following Christ faithfully. But we have to recognize that when we look at the world around us, many people have objections that prevent them from fully submitting their lives to Christ. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to be examining six different big butts, six different objections that people have about the Christian faith. And the goal of this whole time together over today and the next six weeks is to equip us to know how to understand and how to respond to these objections that we're probably familiar with in our conversations or what we see on media. And along the way, we'll probably get some clarification on some of our own questions and concerns that go through our minds about some of these topics as well. Now, to set up today's topic, I want want you to imagine this scenario. Imagine that you were having lunch with people that you know, you know, decently well. Maybe it's in a school cafeteria. Maybe it's in the lunchroom at work. Maybe it is in your backyard having a barbecue with some neighbors. Imagine that you're hanging out with some friends that you know for lunch. And one of your friends brings up the conversation or turns the conversation to the topic of religion. And they say, you know, I think there are many different ways you can get to God. As long as someone is sincere, that's all that really matters, isn't it? Now, at this point, as a Christian, your spiritual radar goes up a little bit, and and you're kind of thinking, okay, I don't really agree with that. I want to stand up for Christ. And so you gently interject, you know, I don't really fully agree with that. I think that when you look at Jesus, he said that he's the only way to God. And based on my research, I agree with him. That's what I believe. Now, if you've ever been in this type of scenario, you can probably imagine what it would be like. That All eyes would suddenly be glued right on you. That you'd kind of be like, oh, man, is it getting hot in here or is it just me? And, and then your friend just is glaring at you with fire in their eyes and says, how can you say something like that? As long as someone's genuine and sincere, they can believe whatever you, they want. You Christians, you guys think you know it all, but you are just so intolerant. And with that, your friend just gets up and walks away. And you're sitting there just with those final words just kind of blazing in your mind. You can't get them off your mind. You are so intolerant. Now, in today's American culture, if you want to identify yourself with Jesus Christ, odds are good at some point, if you haven't already, you are going to get slapped with the label intolerant. And that is our first big but that we're examining today. But Christians are so intolerant. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. We're going to get to this passage in a few minutes. But um, this is actually the second Big Butt series we've done here at Freedom's Church. The first one we did back in 2011. If you want to hear those messages, they are online on our website. Uh, But this series is looking at a different set of butts. And these butts are more specific. And some of them are actually more challenging. Some of them will probably make us a little bit uncomfortable Yeah, I think it's very important that we deal with the reality of what we're going to experience when we're out there trying to point people to Jesus, trying to live faithful lives to Christ, that people will raise objections and concerns, and we, as ambassadors for Christ, ought to be equipped in how to respond to them. And so that is our goal today and over the next six weeks. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive into this topic of Christians supposedly being so intolerant. So let's pray. Our Father... We come to you knowing that you are the true God. Yet even that statement in itself is oftentimes seen in today's society as being very intolerant. 
Lord, I pray that you will show us today through your word and through um, just reflection on our current reality around us. Show us through the, the direction of your Holy Spirit as well. How we can stand up for you. How we can remain faithful to the truth. You'd also engage with people around us who are not really fans of Jesus, who aren't fans of Scripture. Lord, help us to grow in our faithfulness in representing you, not only in standing up for what's, what's true, but also for standing up for that in a way that is respectful, in a way that is gracious, in a way that reflects the character of Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. So when we talk about this topic of tolerance, we have to recognize it's a very popular topic today. But if we were to set out trying to define what is tolerance, we would find that the definition of tolerance, that word, has evolved over time. So there are a couple of different definitions that may come into people's mind when they talk about tolerance. One is what could be called the old tolerance, the traditional view of tolerance, which speaks of accepting people's right to express their own views of what's true. Accepting people's right to express their own views of what's true. This is the, the traditional view of tolerance. And in this view, you can agree, or you, you can disagree, actually, with other people. You can say, you know what, their views, I think, are wrong, or I don't really care for their views very much. But you also support their right to voice their opinion, to hold their own views. And oftentimes, this traditional view of tolerance has to do with putting up with people whom you disagree with or you don't like very much. For instance, someone kind of uh, um, trivial a little bit. You say you're on an airplane. Person across the aisle from you is snoring. You are tolerant to put up with their snoring. Or you could be intolerant. You could jab them a little bit and say, wake up. Someone's slurping their coffee. That's annoying you. Well, you're tolerant to put up with that. On a deeper level, someone disagrees with you on some fundamental belief about the existence of God or about the origins of the universe or something like that, or about some ethical issue. This traditional view of tolerance would say, you know what? I disagree with that, but I will respect their right to hold their own opinion because I also want the right to express my own opinion. And so there's a respect for others and their beliefs and opinions in this old tolerance. But the old tolerance is not what people typically talk about in today's culture when they speak of tolerance. They are speaking of what we could call the new tolerance. New tolerance doesn't just say we, we support and accept people's right to express their views. New tolerance actually says that we should accept all views as equally true. Regardless of how, um, how wrong they seem, regardless of whether they meet our personal preferences or not, that we look at them and say, you know what? Their views, they're just as true as my views are. Now, one of the best descriptions of this new tolerance I found is from a man named Thomas Hemblock. He was, uh, at the time he wrote this, the executive vice president of the, the fraternity Lambda Chi Alpha and he was writing an article on tolerance. This was about 20 years ago or so. But he defines the new tolerance by saying that every individual's beliefs, values, lifestyle, and perception of truth claims are equal. There is no hierarchy of truth. Your beliefs and my beliefs are equal, and all truth is relative. This is the culture that we live in today. If you uh, read newspapers, if you read magazines, if you uh, watch TV, if you talk with people who aren't Christians, you've probably heard this view. Even if you've talked with Christians, you've probably heard this view at times. That, you know what? That's your belief, but I'm going to believe what I want to believe, and we're all about the same in what we believe. 
in our culture, people will tolerate just about anything except for the perception of intolerance. And so when people look at Christianity and they see the ethical claims of Christianity and they see this claim that Jesus is the only way to God, which does come out of Scripture, they see Christianity as intolerant. And there's an irony that goes on here because many times when people point to the supposed intolerance of Christianity, they will point to a Bible verse that they think actually supports their view. And the Bible verse is Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. I want to read this for us right now. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. These are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you may have heard this quoted before, even by a non-Christian. Many people have said that, that Matthew 7, verse 1 is becoming today's John three sixteen. In generations past, even if people didn't have much of a church background, they could tell you what John three sixteen says. That's no longer the case that much today. Uh, but today, even if people don't have much of a church background, they can oftentimes quote Matthew 7, verse 1. Even if they don't know exactly where it comes from, you may be in a conversation with someone and they say, no, that sounds so intolerant. Didn't Jesus say that we shouldn't judge others? So they're alluding to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. But we need to understand Jesus' view of tolerance here and what Jesus is really saying. Jesus is not saying that we should not have discernment. He's saying that we should not be arrogant in how we view other people. He is condemning arrogance, not discernment. And this is clear uh, when we look at the rest of this passage. Jumping ahead to verse 3 through verse 5, Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, while all the, time, all the time you have this plank in your own eye. You hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So this offers clarification for what Jesus is saying when he says you should not judge others. He's saying don't adopt this mentality of condemnation where you're constantly looking for faults in others, trying to point out where others are wrong and where they're bad in order to make yourself feel better. He's saying no, don't have that type of arrogance. But you still should be discerning. It's interesting to note that this idea of do not judge occurs in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is full of ethical and moral judgments. This is right. This is wrong. And we are called to discern what is right from what is wrong and to follow what God has revealed to be true and right. And so, uh, again, when we come back to this idea of tolerance... When you recognize that, that Christianity shows that there are distinctions, yet the new tolerance says, no, you should get rid of those things that make people uncomfortable or rub people the wrong way. You should water everything down to the lowest common denominator so that you don't, so you don't offend anyone. And so basically what this new tolerance is asking us to do is to turn Jesus into some sort of Mr. Rogers with a beard whose main message is, well, just be nice to people and don't offend them. That's what the new tolerance in our culture is asking us to do with these Christian beliefs that we have about, that are based on Scripture. And so what we need to understand here is that the new, this new tolerance that says, you know what, everything is right, nothing is really wrong, that really undermines the very essence of Christianity. It really does. I mean, let me list several of the core components of the Christian faith and show how this new idea of tolerance undermines these things. 
For one, the Bible claims that Jesus is God come to earth in the form of a human being. But the new tolerance would look at this and say, no, that is too much of a trump card for you to claim that the leader of your religion is God. So you need to say instead that Jesus is just a good moral teacher. Or Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost. Now the new tolerance would look at that and say, what? Are you calling me lost? You are such a bigot to say that sort of thing. Or Jesus came and he called the people to repent from their sin. And the new tolerance would say, what? You're, are you calling me a sinner? You should just mind your own business. The Bible talks a lot about how Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world and how three days later he was resurrected. New Tolerance looks at that and says, you know what, that might be a nice notion for some of you to believe. Just, it's kind of encouraging and kind of quaint, kind of, kind of just nice. You can believe that if you want. But at the same time, you need to recognize that doesn't make Jesus any more special than Muhammad or Gandhi or Buddha or Joseph Smith or so-and-so down the street. Jesus is just another religious leader. Or that part that you call the Great Commission, that where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. They say, No, you shouldn't do that at all. You should just mind your own business, keep your opinions to yourself, because your faith is private. It is not to be shared publicly with others. And so we need to recognize that the new tolerance, it really undermines the very essence of what Christianity is all about and what Jesus is all about. And so when we really get down to it, we, we just have to acknowledge that Christianity, based on the standards of this new tolerance, it is intolerant. Because the Bible and Jesus, I mean, Jesus was certainly not politically correct in what he said. He didn't have political correctness in his mind. He certainly was gracious a lot of times. He accepted a lot of people whose society said, no, they're sinners, they're outcasts. He showed tremendous grace, but he did a lot of things that certainly could not be labeled as politically correct. There would be a lot of talk shows if Jesus was around today who would be berating Jesus for his intolerance. So we need to acknowledge and realize that by the standards of the new tolerance, Christianity is intolerant because as Christians, if we want to follow Jesus and follow the Bible, we cannot say that, you know what, all truth is equal. You can believe whatever you want and that's just fine. We should defend people's right to express their own opinion and defend people's right to believe what they want. But we cannot say that all beliefs are equally valid and equally true. Now, there are some Christians, though, who do want to say this. A few years ago, Shelley, my wife, and I were uh, down in Grafton at an Ozaki Chorus concert. And before the concert, we got there early to get a decent seat. And we were flipping through the program, and there were a bunch of ads from various sponsors and supporters of the Ozaki Chorus. And one of the ads was from a church in Grafton who, um, who they claimed to be Christians. But this is what the ad says. It, it kind of caught our attention to the degree that we ripped it out and um, kept it for future reference. And here it's coming in handy this morning. So this ad has a bunch of symbols of various world religions and various beliefs. The cross for Christianity is one of those. But it says, we live in a big, beautiful world. Now, I blacked out all the parts that identify the church because that's not that relevant for us. But they say at the bottom there, at this church in Grafton, we go beyond tolerance to embrace the rich tapestry of religions and cultures. Please join us for worship. So... There's, that's a very interesting statement that actually uses both versions of tolerance. 
when it actually uses the term tolerance, it appears to be using it more in the form of the old tolerance of, of putting up with others' beliefs, of allowing them to have that belief. But what they are saying here in the statement is, we go beyond just putting up with, with other beliefs. We actually embrace them and accept them and welcome them into the fold as well. Now, over on the side is a very, another very interesting statement. Over on the side in those very small letters, it says, Our faith is 2,000 years old. Our thinking is not. It's a very provocative statement. I mean, very catchy. And it does capture the reality of what's going on. That, yeah, I mean, there's this claim to be Christian. There's a watering down of what's biblical truth. Because our thinking is not, yeah, it does acknowledge that this thinking here has been infiltrated by our culture's thinking of this new tolerance. That, you know what? It's all right. Everyone is true. We shouldn't um, say one is more correct than the other. And so we have Christians who do try to water down the truth, who do try to be more inclusive because they don't want to be labeled as intolerant. I mean, no one really wants to be labeled as intolerant. I don't really enjoy that. But at the same time, we have a question of whether we're going to follow culture or whether we're going to follow Scripture and God. And that is something that we have to wrestle with in our lives. Now, when we look at the new tolerance, I think we need to examine the foundations that this idea of, of this new tolerance of all things being equal rests on. Because I would say that the new tolerance has a very shaky foundation. I want to point to what I would say are some of the faults of the new tolerance. And I even recognize by pointing these things out, uh, many people would probably call me intolerant. But I think it's important that we recognize uh, the reality of what's going on here. And one of the realities is that this new tolerance is actually very intolerant itself. I mean, they, they kind of put themselves on the moral high ground saying, you know what, we accept everyone and anything. As long as they don't disagree with us, but if they disagree with us, we're going to slap the label intolerant on them. That in itself is very intolerant. And, and this, this, this tolerance is very selective in terms of what it slaps the label intolerance on. There, I mean, there's an agenda behind it, and there's an inconsistency in it. And this new tolerance is certainly no less opinionated than the tolerance, um, than those that it criticizes. I mean, back in 1995, the United Nations put out this statement on tolerance. They actually wrote an entire paper on it. And listen to what they say here. The tolerance involves the rejection of dogmatism and absolutism. So anything that is dogmatic, anything that claims to be absolute, is to be rejected based on this new tolerance. But doesn't that sound kind of absolute and dogmatic in itself? I mean, to say there's, absolutely, there's no absolute truth, well, that in itself is an absolute truth right there. And so we need to recognize there's an intolerance built into this new tolerance itself. And it's interesting, looking at the news, during this last week out in California, uh, there was a lot going on in the college campuses there that highlights the selectivity of this intolerance or of the new tolerance. Um, you may or may not be familiar with the campus ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Uh, it's similar to CREW. We have a number of college students here involved with Freedons who are involved in CREW. It's very similar to that. But on the, on the California State University campuses, 23 of them, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship has been a de-recognized as a campus organization on all of them across the board. 
That means that they are no longer recognized as an organization that can use the facilities free of charge, that can have the other uh, privileges and opportunities that campus organizations have. Now, the reason why they were derecognized as a campus organization is because InterVarsity wanted to have Christians only in their leadership. It's a Christian organization. They wanted to be able to say, you know what? We should be able to restrict our leadership to only Christians. But the universities there said, no. As an inclusive organization, as a campus organization, you need to open the doors up for anyone and everyone to be in leadership of your organization. I would say that is very selective tolerance right there or or, or charges of intolerance because imagine the outcry if you had a Christian who somehow assumed a very significant position of leadership in a Muslim organization. That would probably not go over very well, would it? Imagine if you have a Jewish student organization and it was found that the president of that organization denies the existence of the Holocaust. There would probably be a big outcry very quickly to get rid of that leader. Or imagine that you have an organization that supports a vegan lifestyle, but someone is running for president of that organization who loves Oscar Mayer wieners and T-bone steaks. Odds are good there would be a big outcry saying, no, that person cannot be a leader. It goes against the very foundations of our organization. And I would bet that the very same people who say, no, Christians need to open the doors to anyone and everyone who wants to be a leader there, regardless of beliefs, regardless of ethics and lifestyle, those very same people would say, no, no, Christians shouldn't try to get in there in these other places because they'd be intolerant. They would try to impose their beliefs in this place rather than allowing them to do what they want to do. And so we see this very selective uh, charge of intolerance that oftentimes in our society is lodged against Christians. Now, there are a number of reasons why we're not going to get into why that is the case. Part of it is probably, spiritual, without a doubt, spiritual battle. Um, but we have to recognize that this new tolerance is actually very intolerant. Also, we need to recognize that not all beliefs are equally valid. I mean, I already shared the, the story of my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and the disagreement over the color of the cap on her water bottle. I think of another story, another, I mean, it's somewhat trivial, but I think it illustrates the point. A couple of years ago, we had a strange noise coming from under the hood of our car. And um, I have a little bit of an automotive background, so I like to think I know something, but I really don't know that much. Um, but I, I opened up the hood just to try to figure out where is this noise coming from. And I could tell what part of the engine is coming from. And I thought, oh, maybe it's an alternator. So I called up my mechanic and said, hey, my car is making a funny noise. And so I brought it in, and he looked at it, and he called me up and said, no, it's actually not the alternator. It's actually the belt tensioner. I mean, same general part of the engine. Was that intolerant of him to tell me it was the belt tensioner? No. Was, was, his, was my belief that it was the alternator just as valid as his belief that the problem was the belt tensioner? No. I was wrong. He was right. I mean, he could have followed my belief and gone ahead and changed the alternator and charged me some money, but that wouldn't have fixed the issue. Because the real issue there, the truth of the matter, was that the belt tensioner was, was problematic. It needed to be replaced. It was not intolerant or bigotrous of him to say, no, the truth is that it's the belt tensioner. He's just pointing out what's true. We need to recognize that when we look around our world, there is truth and there is error. There is right and there is wrong. Now, we do need to be diligent to not just accept at face value what people say is true. Don't just even accept what I'm saying at face value and believe it's true. Look in the Scriptures. That what, that's what Acts chapter 17 commends, is look in Scriptures to see 
if what is being said is true. And so we shouldn't just accept at face value. I mean, think about it. For hundreds of years, people thought the earth was flat. Now we know it's round. Those are not both equally true. They're mutually contradictory. So you have to do your research and figure out what is really true. But unfortunately, this new tolerance is intellectually stifling. That's a, that's a third fault of the new tolerance. It's intellectually stifling. Because the new tolerance does not encourage people to do the serious work, investigation, and engagement necessary to really discern what is true and what is right. The new tolerance evaluates everything based on is it tolerant according to our standards or is it intolerant? If it's tolerant, okay, let's do that. If you slap it with the label intolerant, that just closes down discussion right away. Because if you try to push your, your, your ideas any further, you're just going to get labeled more and more as bigotrous and intolerant. And so it really stifles intellectual investigation. I prefer what I see in Scripture taking place that based more on kind of what would be that old tolerance of an allowance of different opinions, but also the, the, um, the desire to be able to engage in these different opinions and to discern together what is true. I look at the Apostle Paul. When he went into Athens in Acts chapter 17, it was a place where they, had, they worshipped many so-called gods. And he got into a debate and a discussion with philosophers there over what is true. Who is the true God here? But they were able to have a back-and-forth dialogue. People didn't necessarily call him intolerant. They didn't shut down the debate as soon as he disagreed. They had a dialogue about what is really true, and a number of them turned to Christ. You see, over and over and over, when Paul would go into a new town, he would go into the synagogues or into the marketplace and reason with the people. Over in Acts chapter 26, Paul is in a, in a bit of a, I guess you could call it a conversation with the king, king Agrippa. And Paul is trying to convince him of the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. King Agrippa says, Paul, you're out of your mind. Paul says in verse 25, no, king, what I'm saying here is true and reasonable. He appeals to what's true and what's reasonable. And we need to be able to do the same thing in our society when we are pointing to the truth of Jesus Christ. Get in conversations about what is true and reasonable rather than just stopping when someone says, you know, that's intolerant. And one of the final reasons that um, new tolerance is at fault is that it opens a very slippery slope. Because if you open the door to say anything's right, is there any way or anywhere you can really stop with that? Can you really say then that the Ku Klux Klan is wrong? Can you really say that sacrifice, child sacrifice is wrong if you believe that all views are equally valid? I mean, it's interesting when you look down through the history of the 20th century that many of the regimes around the world that believe that religion leads to intolerance, that we should all simply coexist or that you should get rid of religion, many of these atheistic regimes actually were some of the most murderous regimes ever. Nazi Germany, Stalin's Russia, communist China. They murdered tens if not hundreds of millions of people because they were, they were putting forth what their beliefs were over and against religion. They thought religion was too intolerant, so they wanted to stamp it out. But their own intolerance entered the picture there. It's a very slippery slope. And so we live in this world that would charge us with intolerance. And on one hand, that is certainly true when we want to hold to the truths of Scripture. But how do we respond? I want to just share a few key points here briefly. One is to expect pushback. 
just to expect pushback. Jesus said in John chapter 15 that if the world hates me, it's going to hate you too. The master isn't greater, or the servant isn't greater than the master. And so we have to expect that there are going to be challenges that we face that shouldn't catch us by surprise. Also, we need to examine our attitude in the, man, in the matter. If people get upset about us being Christians, let them get upset at the, at the truths of Scripture and of Jesus, not at our attitudes. I want to turn our attention to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Peter writes there that in your hearts you should revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So he says, stand up for Christ. Point people to the reason for what you believe, but do so with gentleness and respect. So even if people slander you, even if people charge you with intolerance, they will be ashamed of what they are saying because you have been gentle and respectful. May we be gentle and respectful in our interactions with others. And as we do so, may we seek to have reasonable, caring dialogue. Dialogue that is based on listening. Dialogue that is based on asking questions. Asking questions so they charge us with being intolerant. Ask them, what do you mean by tolerance? To clarify what they mean. Ask them questions about how do you discern what's really true and what's not true. By getting into a dialogue, you can really open the door to help and point them to Christ rather than just slapping labels on things. And finally, we should focus on living a life that radiates love and good deeds. Again, over to 1 Peter, this time to chapter 2, verse 12. Peter says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. They may accuse you of doing wrong, but let them see the good deeds that you're doing. Let, let them see the love of Christ, the good deeds of Christ radiating through you. And this can really help blunt the objection of intolerance that people give. Because, you know what, they may disagree with our beliefs, with, with the things we point to with Jesus. But if we are able to shower love and grace on people in tangible ways, it can really soften people's hearts and make a difference. This is one of the reasons that I really enjoy and appreciate the Forever Families ministry here at Freedens. I want to be known as a church who stands up for Christ. I like how the Forever Families Ministry allows us to also stand up for something else that's near and dear to God's heart, which is adoption and orphan care. But it's a cause that even the most blatant non-Christian can get on board with. We're in our fifth year of the Forever Families Ministry now, and we've seen many different blessings come from it. Um, I want to share a story, and then I'm going to invite a couple up here in just a second. But I want to share a story about God's work through the Forever Families Ministry that came to my attention this week. God really does transform lives, not just of orphans through the Forever Families Ministry, but even draws people to Christ. We have our Adoption Connection event each summer. And so just an educational, encouraging time for people who want to learn more about adoption or connecting, connect with other adoptive families. And in our very first Adoption Connection several, events ago, several years ago, there was a family from out of town who just heard about this event. They wanted to learn a little bit more about adoption, and they came. They, they weren't Christians. We didn't really know that at the time. Um, but they weren't Christians, but they came. They were just kind of interested. And as they looked at the grant application that we have for Forever Families grants, they saw on there that one of the requirements is that you need to be a Christian. You need to provide a testimony of God's work in your life and your faith in Christ. And that raised some questions in their minds. They, they began to wonder, what's this all about being a, this type of Christian? So they began to investigate. Along the line, amazingly, God worked in their life to bring them to Christ. 
And one of the main catalysts in it was Forever Families in the grant application. Now they are in the adoption process, and over the last couple of weeks, they've begun to receive uh, the grant application. And so what a joy it'll be to celebrate with them when they receive a grant, when they are able to bring their child home. Forever Families, it, God really does use it to make a difference in people's lives. It really shows the love of Christ in a very practical way. And so that's why we need to make sure that we are people who not just stand up for Jesus, not just boldly and courageously say, this is the truth, you need to submit to the truth, but that we are also people who live lives of love and good deeds because that can help soften people's heart and open them up to receiving the gospel. Now, my prayer through this Big Butt series is that we will be equipped to be able to reach out to others. We will at times, probably, if we want to stand up for Christ, we will be labeled as intolerant. But at the same time, may we stand firmly for Christ, but do so in a very loving and humble and gracious way that helps open people's hearts so that they too can experience new life that is only available through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the new life that you do make available through Christ. And we confess that it is challenging to live in this world where people point fingers, where people call us names, where people want to challenge us and, and, and want to see us water down the truth of the gospel. But Lord, I pray that you will work in us and through us to be faithful, to point others to the gospel, to stand firm for what is true. And I pray that as we do so, that you will bring more and more people to know Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.